Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the 25th impeachment and the timeline truth. Katie Hopkins joins me on the phone, just a moment. Alinsky and targeting Trump and Pompeo speaks about American freedom. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. As we speak at this very moment, there's a vote occurring in the United States House on an impeachment of President Trump, a second impeachment, and of course, with the Democrat majority in the House, it's expected to pass. So this, to be really clear, if you understand where we are, this House impeachment is happening, obviously, you know, within a short number of days before uh, Biden will be sworn in Inauguration Day on January 20th. So you have, everyone knows Trump is leaving office, so this is a truly retaliatory, punitive, mean-spirited, no purpose to it impeachment, except to further denigrate his legacy as a president of the United States. No other purpose. And just on Monday of this week, uh, the Democrats pushed the idea of the 25th Amendment, and very quickly, I'm sure you likely know, but the 25th Amendment, the Constitution, basically says that in the case in which a president becomes unable to serve, it is, art, it is Amendment 15, excuse me, 25, uh, and Section 4, if the, that requires the vice president and a majority of, of the officers uh, of the executive departments or basically of the cabinet to ask Congress to say that they need to have, that the president is unable to discharge his powers and duties. It's like the insanity clause. So you have to understand the maliciousness of this. Vice President Pence has already said no to the Democrats. He told Nancy Pelosi, I'm not being part of a 25th Amendment effort to remove the president. So going ahead, Nancy Pelosi and her Democrat-led House going ahead and having a vote, which did pass, this, this uh, 25th Amendment thing passed uh, in the House. It was something like uh, 223 to 205. One Republican crossed the aisle, voted with the Democrats, all the other Republicans voted against it. So you have Nancy Pelosi bringing this 25th Amendment thing to, it was a resolution before the House to basically say they think that the 25th Amendment should be invoked, that the president's incapable of doing his job. You have her push that even though she knows it can't go anywhere because the vice president required by the constitution to be part of it has said i'll have no part of this so malice to start with on that one and then they get to today where they have this vote on the impeachment which obviously is going to be a yes vote i want to commend a couple quick things uh and say a couple th quick things about this impeachment process this is all premised on accusing president trump of having intentionally incited insurrection because of the conduct at the Capitol last Wednesday, January 6th. The entire grounds for this impeachment is a claim that Donald Trump intentionally incited an insurrection because people breached the Capitol on January 26th, entered and clearly did bad things, broke windows, smashed things, caused damage, frightened people. Uh, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a huge um, mess inside the Capitol. But we are, so I, I'm, I, 
it is true that it was a bad scene in the Capitol. What is completely unproven and, in fact, just fallacious is the idea that President Trump intended to intend to create this riot. That Vice President, that President Trump, through his speech, somehow intended to incite insurrection, intended to cause this. And you know, it's a really interesting thing to think about. If President President Trump, we played his remarks a couple of days ago, we, we, the relevant portion, where he said to the people at the Capitol, it, where he was speaking. Uh, on January 6th, he said to the people, let's all go over and peacefully and patriotically let our voices be heard or you know, let the, the uh, House members know, encourage them, support them, basically still hoping that Vice President Pence might send the Electoral College votes back to the legislatures in the states in question. Didn't happen. But you know what's interesting is if there's nothing that Trump said in that speech that was, let's go get them, let's riot, let's take it over. Nothing, nothing like that. In fact, if there had been anything like that, you would hear the media playing that soundbite over and over and over and over. There's no soundbite to play. There's no soundbite to back up what the Democrats are doing, trying to blame President Trump for the fact that a large group of people you know, breached the Capitol, entered, and definitely committed property damage and, and frightened people. But they are moving on impeachment when they have no evidence he intended to create this, this riot. And the next little point, my last point in this first five today is I called it timeline truth. I really want you to pay attention to this timeline, my friends. So President Trump spoke at noon. He started speaking at noon and he wasn't out. If you don't know, he was in Washington, not outside the Capitol. He's across Washington, DC. Um, and he started speaking at noon and so let me and so backing up from this the uh, gentleman who is the um capitol police chief named stephen sund the capitol police the chief of the capitol police stephen sund had asked two days ahead of time asked on monday january 4th we have a huge trump crowd coming here obviously you know uh, tensions are running high he tried to get, tried to say ahead of time, let's line up, let's get the National Guard unnoticed. Let's line up possible backup in case we have a problem. So he calls the House Sergeant at Arms named Paul Irving and the Senate Sergeant at Arms named Michael Stenger, both of who just said, nah, nah, we don't need that. You're fine. I don't, I don't. In fact, the House guy's comment was he wasn't comfortable with the optics of formally declaring an emergency which he wasn't being, he's just being asked, you know, shouldn't we be ready for this? And the Senate guy, the Senate Sergeant at Arms, Michael Sanger, urged him, this, this uh, Chief of Police Sund, to kind of you know, lean in, let people know, kind of whisper, but don't really uh, call them out and, and say you anticipate an emergency. Now moving forward to January 6th. I'm getting the timeline. My summary of this timeline point is that the breaching of the Capitol, both the perimeter of the breaching of the Capitol, as well as breaching the building, happened before anyone who had actually listened to Trump's speech could have made it to the Capitol. I am not saying there were no Trump people there. I'm saying that the timeline that day tells you that Trump is still speaking. If you've ever been to a Trump thing, you're, I'm telling you, nobody leaves early. So he's got the people there. He's telling whatever he's saying. He starts speaking at noon, wraps up at 1.11. So he's done at 1.11 p.m. 
At that point, given the large number of people and the crowds in the street, they estimate conservatively, conservatively, it would take you 45 minutes to walk from where the speech was to the Capitol. So basically, the people who were at the speech could get to the Capitol by around two o'clock, maybe five of two. The Capitol, on the other hand, so all the Trump people are over the Trump thing, but the Capitol had its first uh, breach, uh, meaning that the first wave of protesters arrive at the Capitol at 1240. So protesters arrive at the Capitol, Trump still speaking. No one at the Trump speech could have made it there. So that was 1240, the, the crowds start arriving. And then you have the first, they talk about the breach of the, of the outer perimeter of the Capitol, just the grounds, not getting the building yet. Breach of the outer perimeter at one o'clock. Trump is still talking. Halfway across town, Trump's still talking. And then you get to uh, when the building was actually breached was 150, 150, which basically means the Trump people couldn't even have been there yet. Now, I recognize, obviously, some Trump people could have left the Trump speech early, decided to go over and breach the Capitol. Some of them, maybe Trump supporters, were in Washington but didn't go to hear the president. They just decided to go right to the Capitol and wreak havoc. I mean, there's all sorts of things that could have happened. My point is, we are sitting here a week later with timeline evidence that does not suggest that the Trump that the breaching of the Capitol was done by the masses of Trump people, those people are still over across town listening to him and then making their way through crowded streets over to the Capitol. It suggests, as many people have pointed out, that there were leftists, Antifa, and other anti-American organizations on hand, ready to cause trouble in Washington to, if, as they would view it, put the nail in the coffin of Trump's presidency to cause it another scene, another disaster, which the willing accomplices in the media and the Democrats were all, always and only going to blame on Trump. And so we're a week later, and even if, you know, later investigations showed that every single person who entered the Capitol was a Trump supporter, and there were absolutely nobody there from Antifa or Black Lives Matter, any other radical anti-American group, even if no other anti-Americans came to the Capitol, no one knows that at this point. No one knows, no one can prove whether who the majority was at the Capitol, who these people were, how, how it fits in with the evidence of the timeline. I'm getting at to close up my first five by saying this. I'm thinking we have Katie Hopkins ready. I can't see, I never can see him through the glass. Yes, we have her, okay. So I wanna close up the first five by saying this. I am not claiming every Trump supporter was perfectly innocent. I am aware Trump people eventually made their way inside the Capitol. What I am saying is the timeline is telling you that the people there really support President Trump were across town as the trouble started at the Capitol, still making their way as the Capitol was breached, was broken into. And so for it to be a week, you know, seven days later to actually vote to impeach the president on a set of facts allegedly about, about him you know, having incited insurrection, it is a political stunt. It is a pure political theater action by Nancy Pelosi, by the Democrat Party of America to do one last slap across Donald Trump's face, one last you know, clobber him in the head as he's going out to have him go down in history as the only president impeached twice. And be really clear, just like the 25th Amendment thing that they passed on Monday, the Democrats passed the 25th Amendment thing realizing that it was impossible to move forward with it because Vice President Pence already told them no. 
today on this impeachment vote, the Democrats already know in the House that there is no way that there's going to be a vote for removal in the Senate. The House votes simple majority to impeach. The Senate has to vote to remove. The Senate, under the Constitution, it requires a two-thirds vote. There is no way in the planet Earth that the Democrats are going to get two-thirds of the Senate to vote to remove. And so again, a political stunt. So this is three stunts on the behalf conducted by Nancy Pelosi and her Democrat mob in Washington, the 25th Amendment vote, the impeachment vote, and the entire concoction of the situation January 6th as claiming they had, this is proof of Trump wanting to overthrow power, all sorts of crazy accusations made against him. And I tell you people, it isn't just this issue that, that we're going to come back to this a little later in the show after we have our great, great conversation with Katie Hopkins. But I want to point out, this is just the beginning of what the kind of the antics, the uh, street theater, the uh, manipulation of the American people, especially the innocent American people, the ignorant American people, the, the left as a mob conducts nonstop, nonstop manipulation, contortion of the American people, molding and shaping them to silence them if they dare challenge anything the left wants, shutting them down and being told they can't speak. This is the point of this attack on Trump. It's not just that he is to be punished. All of his followers are to be told, you are never going to get this agenda and you're just going to shut up and stop talking about it. It's also intended to punish the people who supported President Trump in the House and in the Senate um, and, and people who work for him in the White House, anyone who helped him along, the Democrats are going to vilify and victimize the next four years because that's how they roll. And these are all Saul Alinsky tactics, which we'll get to later in the show. But that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So we have Katie Hopkins joining us. I believe we have her on Zoom so we can see her. If you don't remember who she is, that I'm sorry for you, but she is a great friend. She is uh, British in the UK. Uh, she happens to be here in America. Uh, she's a well-known, articulate, a uh, thoughtful analyst of politics, a freedom fighter, a, um, you know, a person who gets out there to speak the truth about all sorts of really important issues. Uh, and she's also just lots of fun. So I believe we have Katie Hopkins. Here she is. <laughs> Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. I'm in Florida and at a hotel. So if this Wi-Fi is bad or I glitch, just raise your hand and I'll be quiet immediately. <laughs> which, which is an unusual thing for me, as you will attest, Debbie. I don't really stop talking that often. <laughs> First of all, you're actually, you're, you know, you're just perfect. I mean, the Wi-Fi is great. You look great. So you're in Florida. So it's a little warmer than in Washington where you just were, right? Yes, absolutely. I had to run away from DC. Uh, one, because there were too many Democrats there. Number two, because it was minus two and you're not allowed to do anything, go anywhere, be inside. You have to eat on the street, being miserable about your life. And number three, because everybody's asking me, Katie, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? And you know, the number one answer is Florida. And I thought, right, I'll go there ahead of you. Have a look around <laughs> and see what it is. And let me tell you, Debbie, here in Florida, everything is open. Everyone is everywhere. Restaurants and bars open. Life is normal. If you can get to Florida, people get here tomorrow. 
Okay, well, I have to put a little plug in for Texas, but I also have to put a caveat by that. So here in the great state of Texas, things have been pretty open. Uh, our governor is not doing nearly as well as Governor DeSantis in Florida. Our governor is very, very second tier. But we just had today, this is not what I want to talk about, but just today, you know, the Texas legislature only meets for six months every other year. So it's a very limited time. So we just had the Texas legislature open yesterday, no, Monday, and they've just announced they're closing for two weeks. Everybody has to go home and then you can come back after you have a COVID test and all citizens have to have a, get a ticket to get inside. I mean, this is a, the people's house is not the people's house. So I have to say Florida's way ahead of us on freedom. But I want to go back to Washington. So, Katie, you were not there. I, I know you're trying to get there for the uh, events of January 6th. You got there a little late that because of your flight issues, but I want to play for our listeners a video you recorded and you sent me today. This is of someone you talked to who was at the Capitol during the uh, festivities, so to speak, on January 6th. And Matt, did you get that video? Yeah, okay, let's play that. Let me ask you, uh, as someone who was there at the rally yesterday, is there any, you think people watching today, watching this stuff come out in the media, do they recognize that as the rally that they attended? Would there be any, anyone recognizing that no, footage and so, thinking, oh, that's where I was? So I gotta tell you, it's so funny. I, I actually, I spent six hours at the rally and then I ran back to grab something. So I hopped on the Metro and I pulled up my phone because I got no service in the rally. Yes, you know, the, 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 the uh, towers were jammed <laughs> but i got on the metro and i started pulling things up and i just you know searched to look at the headlines and it was every headline was completely opposite what i had just been experiencing it was yeah. so opposite i was like i'm not even reading about the same event yes like it was so did cool. i even go so to quiet. that yeah, yeah. And, and i was there the whole time yeah yeah <laughs> and it was beautiful it was a beautiful experience Okay, I was going to tell you, we had, actually, we had someone you know, Katie Hopkins. Uh, we had John Guandolo on the show last week. He was, you know, John, he was in Washington, and he gave the most eloquent description, really, of the people. He wasn't at the Capitol, but at the rally, about everyone was there because they, he said it was just very, where he was, they had actually a, a kind of a prayer portion or a group standing aside really praying for America and for Trump. And he, he was just eloquent talking about it was it was, you know, patriotic and loving and joyful and peaceful. And he thought he was saying, given everything the left has pulled in this election, that it was actually an astonishingly peaceful crowd. Now, I know you didn't get to make it to the Capitol, but tell us why you want to go. Yeah. Well, that's exactly the accounts that I heard all over the more Lincoln. That was uh, recorded at the Lincoln Memorial about 630 in the morning. It was. Uh, kind of dark it was and I just wanted to capture the truth of the moment and that's what everybody's saying is that very much there were two separate events there was the rally which was kind of joyous it was Trump crowd it's what we all know if any of us have been to a, a boat parade or whatever separate and distinct from that both geographically and time-wise uh, there was the invasion of the Capitol building and that happened nearly two hours before the rest of that rally got moving. So clearly very different to the picture the media is painting of all of this. And you know, the important thing that I took away from speaking to so many people in DC is that they came because they believed in democracy and wanted to defend it. They came because they wanted to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. And they came because they, not because they hate America, as so many of Black Lives Matter and the Democrats seem to, but because they love America. And those things are very important and remain true. 
Uh, I love that. And I also want to, you know, Katie, you have traveled to America. In fact, you were here in September for our great uh, conference and uh, many times you've been here. So, but you've been really, as a Brit, you've been among the most active people speaking out in America um, in support of President Trump. And I know you've done it before many times, but why does a British citizen, why do you care so much whether America elected Donald Trump or and elected him a second time? What does it matter to you? Yeah, exactly. I'm an outsider, uh, a foreigner, and uh, you've chased our British asses out of your country once <laughs> before. And I'm very cognizant of that. But I have spent 10 years or so here in America on and off, warning people not to become like us. Don't fall like us. You know, I've been down this path earlier than maybe other people. I've had everything taken. Um, and we've lost our right to speak. And of course, they come for my children and whatever. But the point is, I feel so strongly that you are hope for the rest of the world. And I still feel that. I haven't lost hope, not for one moment. And I know that MAGA was more than a moment in time. It, MAGA is a movement. And all those lovely people who turned up at rallies who were part of the Trump movement, what they want is the best for America and that doesn't go away. I think I'm glitching. Oh, just a tiny bit. You're fine. You're fine to follow. Sorry. We have, this is just, you know, Zoom that happens on Zoom. It's great. So I do want to talk about MAGA some more because I've been talking about this too, this idea that, you know, that when the left or, or anyone tries to criticize MAGA, they kind of just, they try to say it's because you're sycophants for Trump. You're just like a cult. And, and it's just, it's just this personality of Trump and it's all about him. And I always try to say, no, MAGA is about, is about a renewal of the love of America and the respect for freedom and the expect, expectation that the government is there to protect individual freedom, not to protect its ruling class or its donor class or its lobbying class. It's about just love of America and the expectation the government will look out for the American citizens. But so it's not a, you know, we, we love, we do love Trump, but it's not a cultish sycophant thing. It is a, a very mature um, uh, renewal of, Amer of the idea of America. But I'd love to say when you say MAGA, in fact, you wrote a great article called Three Days of Darkness in DC uh, and it's a great article. It's up on our website, americacanbetalk.org, and it's also on frontpage.com. But you closed it by saying MAGA, M-A-G-A, MAGA will prevail. So what do you mean by that? What's going to prevail? Yes, there's this idea, I think, that by um, attacking Trump in this way, by pushing the ridiculous impeachment proceedings through at the fastest speed. I mean, I can get a Starbucks quicker than the House now impeaches people. Um, you know, it's just ridiculous. But seeing them try and make it that this is the end of Trump, that whole event at the Capitol building, whatever went on, was all about trying to draw a final line under Trump and MAGA. And my message to any of those idiots or anyone involved in that Capitol, whatever went on, how set up it was or not, is that we're not going anywhere. MAGA is a movement and movements keep on moving and we will find people to represent us. And I'm a foreigner, DeSantis, Christy Noam. That's the ticket I'm uh, excited about for 2024. Oh, I got to say, Christy Noam, I know you just mentioned her. She's a governor in South Dakota. She's a hero to every conservative in this country. So I love it. MAGA is a movement. It's going to go on. It's very similar things I say. I love that you're saying that. So let's just switch topics if we can. I know that the UK is very much shut down again due to COVID. And I, I, you probably saw this also, but there was a video that was of a police raid 
on someone's home because they had, it was like some neighbor reported them. They had seven people in the house and you're not allowed to have guests or whatever it was. Did you see that? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So what was, what is the policy that they were enforcing that's in place? Yeah, so I should uh, help explain. The UK is under the most draconian lockdown we have ever seen. Uh, it is illegal to leave your home in the UK. I'm not exaggerating that or being dramatic. It's illegal to leave your home in the UK. They're going to make it so that you're only allowed to leave your home once in a week. Uh, it is absolutely bizarre what's going on. The video you refer to, a neighbor reported their neighbor because they counted more than six people in that home. And we just had a lady arrested for taking a walk with a cup of tea because they decided that was a picnic and you're not allowed to picnic. I mean, oh when you God. start imposing ridiculous rules, obviously everything becomes ridiculous. And so there is a sort of badge of honor for me that at a time when it's illegal to leave the UK, and of course it's annoying the authorities and the establishment <laughs> no end, but of course I'm here in America. But uh, frankly, I expect a welcoming party uh, when I get home and without wishing to be too crass, uh, they can kiss my elbow. Okay, your throat, go ahead. No, that, okay. that's it. That's okay. it. I ended there. I was much more polite than I would normally be. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask you how you got out again, but I decided not to ask you that on air. I think I won't ask you that, but I'm glad you're here. And I wish I could get here with your whole family, extended family, bring them all here because you're more American than a lot of Americans. But <laughs> in England also, the, the other just notion of the astonishing just uh, in, enforcement of, of imprisoning of people in their homes, you can't leave, is that the reason given, this is all due to COVID, the reason being given is that the hospitals are so overcrowded, that's the only way we can protect hospital space. So I'm sure you saw the video of this woman who broke into a hospital. You want to describe that? I don't have it ready. I meant to have it ready, I ran out of time. It doesn't matter. Uh, my inbox is full of emails from doctors, nurses, shocked professionals inside our socialized healthcare system and they can't speak out because they'll lose their job. But these hospitals have basically, what they've done is they've reduced capacity to maybe a fifth of what it used to be. And so of course, you're gonna end up with the idea that your hospital is full to bursting. Because if you take away 75% of the beds, of course it's going to be full. And staff are at home because they're self-isolating with a box of, you know, sweets from CVS. So, <laughs> There's all this reality that's playing in to the truth of what we're being fed. Um, but I can tell you, British people are still weird. Like they still, and, and this is truth, as you know, they go on their doorstep at 8 p.m. on a Thursday by order of the government and they clap at the sky in support of our socialized healthcare system. How mad is that? Clapping at the sky. And so Americans must reject socialized healthcare. It is the brute squad of the squad. It is the brute squad of the left. Oh, it is. So Katie, this is, I mean, it's so interesting how COVID has over this last year, I mean, think about it, a year ago now in January, right. we were just hearing a little bit about, you know, there's some virus coming out of China, yeah. a little bit alarming. We're not sure about it. And we now live where you, in, in Texas, which is, you know, everyone thinks we're the big, you know, freedom state. We have a mask requirement. If you go into store uh, where I live in Dallas, Texas, you know, this, the, the people who own the store, the business, 
they get fined if they let you come in without a mask on. I mean, that, that is where we are. And the whole society, what's scary about it is, Katie, I want to, it, it, probably the same, or maybe it's worse in England, but it's not just that that is untethered tyranny, just unrestrained tyranny in terms of COVID regulations, unnecessary and not tied to the situation, not warranted by the situation. But you have, you see the beginnings of the mindset of the people changing where they are just like you're describing, go out and clap at the sky at eight o'clock. The mindset of the people just kind of waiting to be told, becoming a subservient peasant masses kind of people waiting to be told what to do. And and, are you, first of all, are you observing that in America? You know what I mean? And how do you fight back? Yes, you're so on the money with that, of course. And uh, it's a shocking truth that a majority of individuals enjoy being told what to do being paid for by the state, being cared for by the state. There's an enjoyment of the abdication of all personal responsibility, and that's been very disappointing for our side. But I can tell you here in Florida what you observe, and it's and it's a subtlety, but it's a great one, is that here, because everything is open, in fact, there's some ladies walking past here on the beachfront in front of me, and they're a little too open, if you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of flesh, there's a lot of flesh going on just in front of, just behind your head, I'm just saying. The point is though, when you have, when you're open, is that the media can't spin fear here. The media can't really frighten people because it's open. And so in the context of being open, the fear doesn't make sense. Whereas of course, in states where you're heavily locked down, you're pushing the fear of God into people, you've got masks, you're not allowed out. The media fear campaign has much better traction. And I think that's a really interesting thing. And what we can do about it, of course, is that every day, we live our lives just as free as we can be. And as I hope to demonstrate by being here where I'm not allowed, is that the time for asking permission is over and the time for waiting to be told yes is through. It is time to try and live your best life, live, laugh, love, and live every day as free as you can be. I love that advice. I've heard you, I've seen that you, you've written that and you've spoken that idea that the time for asking for permission is over. And I think it's starting to dawn on more Americans. If we don't do that, if we don't just start to live normally and decide this is how we live, we were, you know, it's Tuesday, I go to the grocery store on Tuesday and I'm going to the gym and whatever you're doing. If you don't start doing those things that the government never feels any pushback and all they do is more tyranny. I mean, because they don't sense that there's any resistance at all. And I, this other idea been floating around is just people have been saying, you know, just everyone gets up one day, pick a date, you know, January 20th, have a good date, January 20th to say, no more masks. We're just, none of us are doing it. I mean, you can't, can if you want to, no one's going to take yours away, but just, it's gotta be a massive movement or else I fear that America will go the way of the UK and socialized medicine and tyranny and masking up because we, we just kind of slowly surrendered our freedom and we haven't figured out how to fight back. So I love this idea of stand up. So Katie, what's your next adventure? Are you gonna hang around in America for a while? Yeah, well, two adventures. Number one, I should just alert anyone of a sensitive disposition. This morning I went to hot yoga. I was invited to hot yoga by a conservative. It's basically where they turn up the room to 250 degrees. It's like Saudi Arabia and they do hot yoga. There was bare flesh, there was sweat, there was everything. If you need to fight back against lockdown, go to hot yoga. Or if you just need some entertainment and watch people in tight gear. Um, The second thing is, yeah, I'm sticking around. I'm gonna meet up with Roger Stone and Laura Loomer and and some of my gang here in Florida and uh, some other conservatives. So I am 
bringing joy and happiness, Debbie, as I go about the place as an apostle for the Conservative movement. And my promise to everybody is that A, I will go home at some point, even though Britain's terrible, and B, our movement goes on. And C, you'll be back sometime. Isn't and C, I'll be back, probably darkening your door. Be afraid. <laughs> Katie Hopkins, I am so glad you, you were available today. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I just, you inspire people to want to live, I say, live life, live, laugh, love, have fun, live your life. Don't wait for permission. I thank you so much. I'm so glad you're available. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me on. By the way, your hair looks lovely. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yours too, actually. Very cute. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay, so that is a great Katie Hopkins. Um, I do want to encourage you to read her article. She's really eloquent in the way she writes. You know, she's talking about being in America. She didn't, her flight was delayed or something happened, so she didn't get to, to a Washington on January 6th to the end of the day. So she landed, the events are all kind of over, but she, she loves to go running. She went running around Washington and she, uh, and then did the next morning also. And she's very eloquent in observing the change of atmosphere, how people feel, how the how you can feel the repression coming. And she's just really excellent. So again, her piece is called Three Days of Darkness in DC. It's at the front page dot, uh, sorry, frontpagemag.com. It's actually on our website, americacanwetalk.org. And that is the one and only and inimitable uh, Katie Hopkins. Okay, two other stories I want to hit today. One is, um, I called it Alinsky and Target Trump. And I want to just try to, um, not just talk about what's happening right now, but plant this seed about how to look at things, how to watch things, how to figure out things in the coming four years. If you're not aware, I'm sure you are, everyone listens to my show, you probably are, but there's a book by Saul Alinsky, Rules for Radicals. Um, and this Saul Alinsky guy was a mentor for uh, Barack Obama and a, he's a radical communist and he wrote a book es essentially explaining to community organizers, Marxists, socialists, communists, how you destroy America. How do you defeat your enemy? How do you destroy them? And he taught people, he mentored people from this book. And this book is followed by, read by every radical leftist in this country. I mean, it is a, it is a handbook for destroying freedom in America. It's, a, it is intentional, it's intended at that uh, to be that, a handbook for how to destroy America, how to force communism on America, how to eviscerate anyone who gets in your way. And the reason I'm bringing it up is that what we're watching in the way Donald Trump is being treated in these final days of his presidency, the way they passed the 25th Amendment uh, resolution in the House, knowing it could go nowhere, knowing because Vice President Pence wouldn't sign it, it couldn't go anywhere, but they did it anyway. They're voting for impeachment. I'm sure the votes happened by now. I keep trying to watch on my phone. Um, uh, but anyway, the House probably voted for impeachment, um, and this um, this idea of voting for it when you know he's already out in ten days, whatever the number of days is, and seven days, um, and uh, the impeachment's over. Something happened a week ago, which no one has all. That. We talked about that earlier. Just it's, just it's just the most. It is a political stunt. But political stunt can seem like almost a cutesy word, kind of a you know not that bad of a thing to do. It is part of the left-wing mentality laid out by Saul Alinsky, not the first one to talk about these kind of things, but he's one of the most prominent. And these tactics that Saul Alinsky taught and that he encouraged and Obama practiced and all the leftists in America practiced, what we are watching happen in the United States Congress today, 
what we are watching in terms of how the media treats President Trump. It is this idea of eviscerate and destroy. It is a it is a shark feeding frenzy until he's chopped up into a million pieces. This is what the left is doing. It was not enough to defeat him. They didn't defeat him, but they got they're going to have their guy inaugurated in a week. But they didn't defeat him. I, I will still always say Trump won the election and he won electoral college and we had fraud and we couldn't get it exposed sufficiently. And so we're going to have President Biden, it appears, starting January 20th. But before I go into some of the Alinsky tactics, I'll just give you two little updates of what I mean, examples of what I mean about how radically hateful, vicious, shark level, feeding frenzy, scorched earth, you know, leave no survivors, how those tactics are being used by the left in attacking Trump. And to be really clear, it's not just Trump. It is people who supported him in the House, U.S. House, and in the Senate, it is people who are going to work for him, people who supported him, people who helped facilitate his policies, his uh, chief of staff, his, the entire family of his. All of these people are in the crosshairs of the left. There is not enough for them to have destroyed and humiliated and twice impeached President Trump. They are going to be on a witch hunt until they can take it as far as they can. Please believe me. The left is cooking up the with the idea is, is cooking up the idea of where they can possibly bring treason charges against President Trump. You know they will do this when he's out of office. Treason charges with, as everyone knows, one of the penalties, the main penalty for treason, the, the highest penalty for treason is death. And if you think I'm kidding, you do not. Or if you think I'm exaggerating, you do not understand the Democrat Party of today. This is not the party of you know your grandfather's Democrat Party. This is not the parties of, of your when we had you know two kind of equal parties. The Democrat Party has been completely overtaken by the Saul Alinsky communist. Destroy your enemy. Uh, do everything you can to destroy him and everyone affiliated with him. This is how they roll. This is what they will do. So President Trump is going to be facing uh, at least criminal charges. In fact, I'll tell you the first little uh, example of criminal charges. The D.C. Attorney General, the Washington, D.C. Attorney General uh, named Carl Racine has already announced he's looking into arresting, arresting President Trump and others, and he mentions the others, including uh, Donald Trump Jr., Rudy Giuliani, and U.S. Rep. Mo Brooks, and charging them with inciting the violent invasion of the U.S. Capitol. This Attorney General in D.C., over a speech where he never told people to do anything violent, where he said peacefully and patriotically, this guy is already floating the idea that he is going to arrest the president, his son, the president's son, uh, Donald Trump Jr., Rudy Giuliani, Mo Brooks, and potentially others after the inauguration and bring charges. Please believe me, this feeding frenzy, unless you, you've got to understand how the left rolls, they will try to destroy him. They'll try to bring him up on charges of treason. Not this guy, but this guy is going to get the ball rolling, arresting them for the riot last week, which is not his fault, which is probably still an orchestrated operation by the left. Arrest him. And then you're going to have treason charges. You're going to have all sorts of financial charges because the left has been after his tax records and financial records for years. They're going to find something they want. They would love to leave Donald Trump penniless. I mean, with no money left, alone, destroyed, you know, for all time and all history books, eviscerated. And I want to again remind you why. It is because this is how they roll.
But it's not because of anything Donald Trump did. It's not because of anything he said. It's not because of his words or actions. It's because what Donald Trump managed to do on the national political scene, successfully to do, was to re-inspire the love of freedom, the whole concept of MAGA, love of America, the rights of individuals to live in freedom, the right to be live uh, not to not have your life uh, controlled, managed, regulated, and crushed by the federal government, the right to live in freedom, the right to have jobs and opportunity, the restoration of the free market economy in America, bringing jobs back, all the great things Trump accomplished, those things re-inspired the American people to love the idea of America and it helped the American people therefore see how radically anti-American today's Democrat Party is. Trump's pro-Americanism allowed the American people to get a better picture of how anti-American, Marxist, communist, socialist today's Democrat Party is. He exposed their agenda. He showed them this is what we can be like if we live under freedom. And this is why the left is so determined to destroy him because he successfully exposed who they are. So you have this guy, Attorney General, says he's gonna arrest them. Uh, Jonathan Turley, uh, who's a liberal uh, law professor, has a great piece out saying this is impossibly absurd and wrong and unjustified. Uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has now announced it will stop financial support for Congress members who support Trump. Not the ones who are allegedly involved in, in you know, aiding the insurrection, which, you know, I don't, I, I wasn't there at the Capitol, but, and I don't believe anyone of uh, members of the Congress, uh, you know, were aiding in, in the, uh, in the insurrection, but what they're getting at is they're going to punish everyone who even voted uh, to support President Trump, probably in the impeachment, probably in the 25th Amendment resolution, probably back to last January 6th, last week with the uh, Electoral College vote. These people are saying this is starve him out so he has no money at all. I told you the other stories yesterday. There's a bunch of them. Just these, uh, the wolves are coming out of the, uh, out of the woodwork to destroy this man. But I want to mention a few things about this. I want you to keep this in mind. Again, not just because of what you're watching today, but what you will watch over the next four years. So one thing that a rule for radical that, and, and, and to be clear, I don't think that Nancy Pelosi sits around in her, you know, chambers in the House or at home rereading rules for radicals. I'm not saying she does that. I'm not saying any of the current Democrat leadership sits around reading this. I'm saying they have all read it, but far more important, this mentality of seek and destroy, scorch earth, destroy them all. This is a standard operating procedure for today's Democrat party. It's how they roll. It's what they do. And so in Washington, the people who've been elected now, who are up there voting to impeach a president over something he didn't cause, who voted to impeach him last time for doing nothing wrong, these people, they don't spend much time analyzing what are the grounds for the impeachment and is it justified or not? What were the grounds for the previous impeachment? They don't think about that because their mission is they know their job. They're Democrats in Washington. Their job is to destroy the Republican opposition. So one rule for radical, very important. Uh, this is one of the things he's got. I mean, this is a great book to read to understand the left. But uh, Alinsky has these rules for how they should conduct themselves. The 13th rule he describes and how you basically destroy your enemy. This is a chapter called Tactics what you do to destroy your enemy. The 13th rule, pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. The Democrats have decided that what Donald Trump, what he, because he accomplished so much what they did not want to happen, 
he is the target. He is vilified. He is treated as a, as a you know, an insane, uh, bizarre, horrible human being. And sometimes when you press back to some of the people in America who are so easily led along by the media, and the media, by the way, locks arms with the Democrats. The media, okay, got it. This is our target. Seek and destroy, search and destroy. I got it. We'll do it. This is what they do. This is how they roll. It's how they function. The Democrat media mob lives not just to make logical policy arguments why policy X that the left wants is better than policy Y that the right wants. They don't do that. They just seek and destroy. And what, you're, what they're doing to Trump, they found someone that they've been easy, it's been easy for them to use him as, this, as, as, a, as the one to uh, target, freeze, personalize, and polarize. They're trying to separate him from all his supporters, separate him from anyone who would say anything nice uh, at all about this. Also, at the fourth rule uh, of Saul Linsky and his uh, of tactics, the fourth rule says, ridicule, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. It is almost impossible to counterattack ridicule. The ridicule thing is used against Trump supporters. I mean, you ask people who are anti-Trumpers, I mean, they think that everyone who supports Trump is some Neanderthal who just wandered in out of the swamp yesterday, you know, didn't finish kindergarten, can't spell, can't think, simple-minded, and people get pushed away, even though they know the Trump agenda, they like it, they're for it, but they get pushed away because they don't want to be ridiculed as a Trump supporter, because this tactic has caused American people to think, I, I, you know, I, I just can't get in that camp. I don't want to be the one. You know, I'm just going to be silent. Let Trump dangle in the wind. Let him be attacked in all the ways he's been attacked. I'm not saying a word. This tactic works. It's why the left uses it. Last thing I want to mention in going through what the left is going to do over the next four years. He has another set of rules. Uh, he's got a chapter of, called Of Means and Ends. You know, and, uh, ends justify the means kind of slogan. So of means and ends, he says, the 11th rule of the ethics of means and ends is that goals should be phrased in general terms like liberty, equality, fraternity, of the common welfare, pursuit of happiness, bread and peace, social justice, I'm adding mine, social justice, fairness, the left is being is taught by Alinsky tactics to label the most vicious, malicious, tyrannical, government control intended society rules and policies they want to put in place. And they've been trained to label them, to never be honest at what they're trying to do, but instead label them, we're just trying to bring fairness. I mean, the climate change, we're just trying to make life safe. Safety is one, make life safe. That's why we can tell you in the UK, you can never leave your home only once a week to go to the grocery store. In America, you can't do this, you can't do this for safety's sake, for social justice sake, for, uh, for fairness sake. The left couches the most evil policies, they intend the most freedom limiting, freedom crushing, anti-American policies that will soon be in place and they couch it in these kinds of terms, and they're taught to do that. This is a tactic they use. I'll be exposing this tactic over and over over the next four years. One last very quick story, uh, and I wanted to, um, um, was uh, Pompeo speaks about American freedom. And just as a very light, positive ending of today's show, and the, the actually, this is the end of the shows for this week. Tomorrow, Thursday, I will not be here doing a show. I'll be back on Monday. So this is the last show for the week, but I want to just on a very positive note, uh, one of the great people in the Trump administration who has really stood with President Trump and continues to through the end, uh, Mike Pompeo, he's our Secretary of State, he gave a speech at the um, uh, 
Voice of America, VOA, Voice of America. And the entire speech, I have it up on our website, americacanwetalk.org. You can read his speech. You can actually click on, in the article, click on the little um, uh, icon there and listen to it if you'd rather just listen. But it was magnificent. And I'm gonna close the show and this week's show by saying this. What Pompeo was talking about is, you know, the Voice of America is this group that puts out in many languages, puts out America's message of freedom to countries around the world where they don't have freedom, where they don't know what freedom looks like. They can't envision a world where they're allowed to be free. Voice of America, a beautiful voice for America in uh, providing hope and, and the poten- and idea of a potential of a future where freedom could exist for these people, understanding freedom is possible, understanding, I mean, there's a beautiful thing, but Voice of America, like many other institutions, had begun to go under control of leftist mindset where it was starting to be, you know, well, who are we to say that, you know, our ideas are better than communist China's? I mean, who are we to say? You know, they have their ideas, we have ours, you know. They had become, they'd lost their way until Trump came along, Trump team came along, lost their way in terms of just embracing and loving the message of freedom. So it's been turned around. And so Pompeo gave this speech just a couple days ago there um, at Voice of America. Um, and he basically just said, um, this idea that expanding freedom and democracy are what America has always been about. You're the voice of American exceptionalism, and you should be proud of that. He talks about a time. Uh, he, I, mean, I mean, I can't. I'm really going to be out of time here, so i got to uh, wrap it up. But I want to encourage you. Two reasons I brought this up. Number one, it's very inspiring to read or to listen to. You feel like, wow, you know, this guy gets it. This Pompeo guy gets it. This speech is eloquent and is defending America. And, and, and he has a little point he makes in there about how the, when the Chinese communists tried to jump in in America and try to put their, um, their spin on some things, um, where they were, they were trying to attack America and put their spin on the whole uh, George Floyd story, and to say, and they, the Chinese communist, the story of the gentleman in, uh, in Minnesota who died at the hands of this police officer, uh, George Floyd, and so Chinese communists, communists tried to weigh in on America's division and say that their, tor- their authoritarian system was somehow superior to ours. Pompeo addresses that in this talk and says, there is no moral equivalence. There's no moral equivalence between America the free and China the corrupt authoritarian tyrants. No moral equivalence. This is a self-evident truth. I could read you the whole speech, you would love it. I urge you to go read it yourself, but I gotta wrap up the show today. But I wanna encourage, I, I brought that story up, story up, number one, to tell you how great the story is, but number two, to say, as a closing, one of the many, a few remaining closing um, uh, demonstrations of what the Trump administration stood for, what they are standing for, what they, they tried to bring back to American governance. Imagine we had to re-inspire a voice of America to actually think of America as something special. Well, that was what was required. The, the whole, you know, anti-American, uh, or is America's not so great? Who are we to say our ideas are great? America, the idea, is the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. That's what Voice of America, that's what was their job, to try to help people see it, to give them hope that you should be able to, freedom should spread in this world. Even that had been crushed or diminished within Voice of America. And I love the idea, one of the closing events of the Trump administration, you had Pompeo telling these people, no, actually, you should be proud to work here. You should be proud to touting America. You should be proud speaking up for the unique, extraordinary greatness that is America. 
I close every show by telling you why the stories we talk about today matter to you. So I started the show today, the 25th impeachment and the timeline truth. Vice President Pence shut down this misuse of the 25th Amendment, supposed to be for incapacity. Pelosi's house symbolically approved it anyway because they are malicious and mean. Impeachment debate now underway for inciting insurrection against a man who just received 75 million votes. Time on the Capitol Hill riots, Trump spoke until 111. The Capitol's 45 minutes away uh, from the rally on foot. So the earliest they get there is 156. But the Washington Post says the first wave of protesters got there at 1240. Speech is still going on. Breach the perimeter, one o'clock, all of which is before Trump finishes his speech. The timeline doesn't prove there were no guilty Trump supporters at the Capitol, but it does show how little factual analysis is behind the impeachment. Impeachment about using the riots to bury Trump once and for all, which by the way, is not going to happen. Next slide, Alinsky and target Trump. Saul Alinsky wanted communism to take over America. Alinsky's rule of 13, pick a target, freeze it, personalize it, polarize it. Ridicules the most potent weapon against opponents, misappropriate words to disguise objectives, fairness, social justice, common welfare. The ends are always, they say, the ends always justify the name scorched earth, search and destroy whatever it takes, destroy people and everyone they know to get your way. This is how the left rolls in America. Will this be the governing ethos of the new administration? Yes, I think so. Will President Trump, Trump Jr., Giuliani be arrested? Inaugurate, and at the same time, speaking of this tactic, the inauguration, the, t- the theme chosen by the Biden people is American unity. After four years of vilifying the president, last slide, please. Pompeo speaks about American freedom. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo still speaking and standing strongly for America. He reversed the Voice of America slide to anti-Americanism. No moral equivalence between the USA and communist China. Millions of hate Trump Biden voters have no idea. I want to underscore this for you, my very fine friends. Millions of hate Trump Biden voters have no idea how radical the left's agenda is. Pompeo's replacement will reverse virtually every stance Pompeo has taken. Will any Biden voters have voters remorse? I think so. Pompeo likely positioning to run for president in 2024, but without election integrity, will it matter? My friends, if you like this show, and I hope you do, listen to America Can We Talk and appreciate it. Three things. Go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. On the homepage, hit the subscribe button. Get a once a week uh, newsletter from me. I had so many uh, uh, new subscribers last week that I'm still uploading them, but I will upload every single one. I do it personally. You will hear from me. Subscribe to the newsletter, once a week newsletter. Number two, if you can donate, we have a donate button. You can donate a one-time donation. You can make a recurring donation. Anything helps. This show is entirely listener funded. And I do this out of love of America. I've never taken a salary. It's all about love of America. That's why I do this show. Would love your support if you can do it. But third and most important of all, please listen to this show. Whatever social media place you listen to this, please write this down. Go to my website, americacanwetalk.org. My show will always be available there. My show goes out live from that website, americacanwetalk.org. At the showtime, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m., go to americacanwetalk.org backslash live, and that is how you'll find the show. You can watch it on my uh, website. And the reason I'm pushing this is because there's increasing social media pressure on my show, on me, on other conservatives, and I don't know how long it'll be where it presently is. If you're watching on YouTube, I have a huge YouTube following. 
please subscribe to the newsletter so I can stay in touch with you if the show is taken down. Again, americacanwetalk.org, hit subscribe, get the newsletter, and you'll be able to find the show if it is taken down off YouTube. Same thing with Facebook, same thing with Twitter. Really want to keep the show everywhere I can, but go to our website to watch it. Also go to rumble.com. That's the other place it's going to be regularly up, rumble.com. We are actually in the process of uploading it to uh, opening accounts on several of the other new social media platforms. I'm not going to stop talking about America. I hope you don't stop talking about America. It is just a gift of, a, of the, you know, impossibly precious gift to be born an American, to have the right to live in this country, and to have the patriotic duty to speak up for and defend this precious country. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and this is America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America Can We Talk, truth about America.